0: Well, let's uh, jump into the Word, and we'll jump out of the Word and get into the prayer time as soon as we can. Uh, let's. Uh, if you have your Bibles, we're still working through Second Timothy chapter two, and um, I, would, I think my recorder. Let me. I want to verify my recorder is still operational. Yes, it is. All right, so. Uh, we're in in Second Timothy Chapter Two, building people who build churches and continuing the line of thought that we've already been working on in this chapter um, uh, regarding uh, the the pattern from going from fear to fruitfulness and um, a few years ago, I, I did preach on this topic and i asked uh, I asked the question um, how many of you have heard of the team uh, operation or the term? I'm sorry, operational readiness or combat readiness. I bet, I bet, I bet Bob has. I
1: cannot
0: hear you. Really? Yeah, and I've got hearing aids in. But it's very, I have a problem. Okay. Um, I'm still turning in my text here. So, uh, have you heard of the Amy? Can you hear me back there? Really? all right i'll try to project better um so the uh we're we're i'm going to talk to you a little bit about the term operational readiness which is uh or combat readiness and i know bob would have some understanding of that being in the military and uh, being involved in those things so well bob tell us what if you would like uh what is the what is your definition of combat readiness or uh what have you
1: typically and uh military, combat readiness means that your unit is prepared to go to war and fight that war and win that war. And if you're prepared to do all of that, then your unit is considered combat ready.
0: Amen. So coming from the man who knows. So uh, here's what I said. It's it's the capability of a unit or formation, ship, weapon, system, or equipment, which is a, this is a technical definition, to perform the mission, just as Bob said, or functions for which it's organized or designed and uh, in a general sense to express a level of degree of readiness and of course to accomplish the mission is ultimately what the the idea is and that's really what that's really what paul is doing with timothy with this epistle is he's getting timothy ready for combat He's preparing him and fortifying him with what he needs to go to war. And obviously, if you're going to go to war, you need to count the costs. Jesus said that himself, and you need to have the supplies. And that doesn't mean you use all the supplies in one day. You got to have a way to ship them and keep them and and get them where they need to go. And, and also, as I was talking about this morning, in a war, you got to you got to have wars are about attrition, so you got to have a good supply line. Uh, Everyone knows in World War, not everyone, but in World War II, um, you know, one of the reasons that, um, not MacArthur, but uh, uh, Patton was so successful is he really, he maintained no matter what his supply lines uh, and and even to the detriment of everybody else. I mean, he made sure his supply lines were going to be open and he was first uh, to the, you know, to confront the enemy. Uh, and, and that is all a part in his mind of combat readiness, of course. So uh, that capability to be, you know, ready for the functions that they're organized to, to or designed to do, which is is uh, kill the enemy. So in scripture, it's described as being ready or being instant. In First Peter chapter three, which I think I left that in your notes, in verse thirteen, Paul, uh, Peter said, "And and who is he that will harm you if you be followers of that which is good?" But if you you suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are ye, and be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you, with meekness and fear. Having a good conscience, that whereas they speak evil of you as evildoers, they may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good conversation in Christ." Uh, which is your lifestyle, Uh, for it is better if uh, the will of God be so that you suffer for well-doing than for evil-doing. So we talked about that this morning, right? Our testimony being a light-bearing to the point that it inf- impacts the people around us for the kingdom of Christ, which causes you know um, when you bring the lights, it's going to bring it's going to bring the gnats, right, and the flies and all that. And so, especially in the darkness, and so um, the bugs start coming, and there's going to be problems. And he's really Peter in this text that I just read. If you look at the you know verses 13 through 15, is saying uh, you know you're going to suffer. It's going to be painful. So prepare yourself. Sanctify the Lord God in your heart. Be ready. Be, you know, Have that readiness to share the gospel. And and don't back off, basically. You need a holy boldness to, to speak the gospel as you ought, uh, which Paul prayed for, right? Uh, he wanted to preach the gospel as he ought. And so we all, even Peter and Paul, could get timid if they didn't have the boldness of the Holy Ghost. So Peter's informing the saints that they need to be ready always with an answer And uh, so the question for us, you know, following what we even heard this morning, is are we ready with an answer? If not, why not? And so, and uh, the whole idea of coming to church on a Sunday morning and a Sunday night is to prepare ourselves uh, so that we are ready. Not for today, but for tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day until we meet again or meet the Lord in the air. Uh, and then we come back at another battle and we're getting ready for that as well. So we are in a, a perpetual place of, of not only combat readiness, but we're also building the troop movement, right? As we go and we lead people to Christ and build them up. So what starts off as a, as a, as a, as a wedding situation, where the bride of Christ ends up in a military situation at the second coming of Christ, and so there is a lot of uh, you know variables that we need to look at from a biblical perspective. So Paul said to Timothy. Now we're going to skip ahead to chapter four, which is in your notes in verse two. Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, or yeah, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. Again, another passage now from Paul, not Peter, that's exhorting us to have a military readiness, so to speak. So uh, why would a soldier, a unit formation, need to be ready? Uh, And the answer for that is because there's a threat. If there were no threat, there would be no need to be ready. right? Uh, There's a threat, and so you need to be ready. That's why we put on the whole armor of God, that we're ready. Uh, Because you don't have to guess. You already know you have an adversary, the devil, and he walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. May he devour you. May he devour you, 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 and you, and you. Well, God forbid, right? No, he cannot devour us. We will not allow that. Why? Because we're ready. We put on the whole armor of God. We're going we're gonna to stand in an evil day. Now, obviously, we're all susceptible to falling. We all need to be meek and humble, as Peter said. But we also need to have a mindset that, hey, not on my watch, right? I'm a, I'm a century, and I'm going to stand, therefore, having my loins girded about with truth, right? And having, I mean, there's a, there has to be some sort of uh, a willingness to have a fight of faith right and fight to the finish otherwise you're going to capitulate to the enemy next time he roars at you or walks about like a roaring lion you know you're going to get scared so there's a middle, there's a mental readiness uh and primarily what we're talking about is by the way a mental and and brain readiness i was I, this is totally off note for a moment but just in my own mind this morning for whatever reason god just put it on my heart uh, just I was just thinking about all the well i 've been busy, so my mind is racing of, like different directions to meet all the things, you know, just like you all we all have a lot of plates we 're spinning and um, and uh, you know, I just was talking to the Lord about that, and he just impressed upon me, you know what you need right now is that you need to you, you want to make sure the loins of your mind you want pure loins you want to, you want to like wash your mind in the water of the word. So that you can think properly. Because if you're in a combat situation, that's the key. You've got to think clearly. You gotta make good decisions. Now obviously God is the one that brings the power, He's the one that brings in the ordinance, but you've got to be wise enough to call it in, right? And what is that? That's prayer life. That's what we're doing tonight. Is we gotta pray properly. And there is I mean it's gotta be part of what we're about is praying. That's why we're here tonight. I know this group, that's why you're here tonight, so I'm preaching in the choir. But it, it does get down to that. I mean we really gotta be sober minded and vigilant. Um, not not in just the the execution of ministry activity, but in the in the execution of prayer activity, so we can call in the ordinance and i I catch myself we 'll do it here in this meeting we 'll pray about you know this and that and this that the other, but we 'll miss some major things oftentimes we 'll be getting ready to move out in a military style spiritually initiative. And uh, spend more time praying over bunions than we have prayed over getting the gospel where it needs to go. You know, so we got to balance that. We should pray over everything, bunions and everything, but we also need to make sure we understand, you know, what goes on. We got we had 192 people here today. We don't even know where they came from, right? So we need to be praying that the, we need to spend some time in prayer that God. Gets the messages where it needs to go. That he meets the people where they are. That the word of God is effectually and fervently working in people's lives. That we don't even know. We don't even know how. We don't even know how they got here, and they just show up. So it's like praise the Lord, you know. So, um, but it's not just praise the Lord. But that means we got work to do, right? We're in a that God is bringing them here because. They're probably wounded, they're hurt, they're they're probably the, the lion's probably been roaring at them. 'em. They're looking for a place, they're looking for solace, and we're we're engaging in in their issues because that's where the issues are at. And it's a spiritual it's a spiritual conflict. And you guys get what I'm saying, I think. So um so I said
1: that how new faces
0: Yeah, lot of new faces. What's that? No, I
1: don't think you in here yet.
0: Yeah. I was trying to get ready for next steps. I was like, wow,
1: man.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and that's that's also, you know, just where I, my seat, I can see a lot of what's going on with people and so I know what I mean, I know that there's a lot going on with people's lives right now and and uh, and they're coming here cuz they're hungry and they're and
1: it was good to see Justin is here with his little
0: Yep, Justin is here. He's he's on my mind. I was actually talking to him before the service and Yep, Justin Justin and Xander were here. We need to remember to pray for them tonight. Those are real battles, you know, real issues. Um, so tonight, we're going to look back at, at some aspects of our identity. Of course, I'm working through these aspects of the identity, so I'll be a broken record uh, when we meet on the, that from uh, you know the, the passage that we looked at. So I left it in your notes again. We've been looking at, I'm going to quickly go over them. Uh, I covered this again several years ago, but in verse 1, we are which also ties to chapter 1 in verse 1, we are a son. Uh, we have identity as a steward, a soldier, which is uh, no surprise that we're going to be talking about that tonight, uh, an athlete, verse 5, a husband, and, and, which is a farmer, in 6 through 7, a teacher in 11 through 14, a student in verse 15, and a vessel of honor in 20 through 21, and a servant in 24. So. The, uh, this ties into what we've already covered in the previous week, so I won't take a lot of time, but we saw the identification as a faithful son in verse 1. Faithful men need examples of faithfulness. Faithful men need examples that are personal in samples like Paul, contemporary and samples like Anessa Forrest. And faithful men need to be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And I spent quite a bit of time talking about how to have the grace that is in Christ Jesus and how to get the power we need uh, through humility and prayer. And then we saw that identification as a faithful Stuart, in 2 Timothy two, 2 uh, commit, uh, we collect God's word from faithful men, we commit God's word to faithful men, and we commit to reproducing faithful men who reproduce faithful men. That's really what we're all about. So we pray strategically, which is what we're doing tonight, what I'm talking about, uh, and passionately, right, we, and uh, with some real sincerity. We collect God's words faithfully, listen to what God says, and hear God's calling. We deploy regularly, and we deposit frequently. And so you'll see the fruit. Uh, if you continue fearlessly and faithfully. All right, so that covers everywhere we've been. You guys remember all that in order, I know, just like me who taught it and I still have to go back and remember what I said. So, all right, so that brings us to point 3 in our text. So let's look at verses 3 and 4. It says, "Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ." So camp theme Right? So what a what a coincidence. We're right here today. Uh, Endurance Camp comes back, and we're on their verse. So, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier, Jesus Christ. Uh, no man that wareth entangled himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. So what I described in my review is a need to be ready for combat. So if you are in an army uh you know you're just not a bunch of young um uh, men with weapons um like they are in some armies right and so over in uh africa or whatever throw throw the little 11 year old uh, an ak and let him go right um you know give him some drugs and uh, off they run uh and so that's not what we need we don't need an army of boys um that don't know how to hit the target um we we say no uh to the boys we need men uh, and to have men, you got to train them. Now, oftentimes, have you never noticed an army starts with boys, uh, but the whole process is to turn them into men, right? They don't, we don't need boys in the army; we need men. Uh, it doesn't mean that they can't be young. It's not about their age. It's it's really about the uh, the character, right? That's why they break them down and build them up. And not every boy makes it, right? Not every boy can turn into a man, a military man. And so. Now uh, That's what a faithful steward does. They train faithful men who are able to teach others also. And not to overuse it, but it is one of my favorite analogies. It is Abraham in the Old Testament. Uh, again, this isn't in your notes. So you know he, that's what he did. He was a faithful shepherd, and he trained faithful servants. And when a military uh, exercise came, or not even an exercise, they were ready. His trained servants armed, were armed, and they went after a Confederate army that had invaded Sodom and Gomorrah and taken Lot, and they, they, they routed them. Right? And here's this guy not even noted. There's nothing in the Bible outside of that incident that even would give anyone any indication that Abraham was ever involved in anything that had to do with military. Right? And all of a sudden out of nowhere comes a 300 man army that puts armies to flight. And uh, Confederate armies, I might add. I mean, that's pretty impressive. And so these guys were some sort of fighting force. Well, why is that? Well, because well, Abraham is—he's a steward of a dispensation, right? He's the father of faith. He's—he's he's, Abraham has got the covenant. I mean, he's—he's he's somebody that God has chosen. And and what did he do? He didn't have sons. He had three hundred sons. So he just took the servants he had, and a servant at length becomes a son, is what Proverbs says, right? And so, um, and so they were like his own sons, and he taught them how to defeat the, the, the lion and the bear and probably some of the same tactics that david had learned and uh, next thing you know they're running they're, they're running roughshod over over the top of an army chasing them all the way up to the mediterranean sea so that's amazing it's amazing to me i'd love that story um and so uh so paul opens 2nd timothy 2 3 with this statement thou therefore all right that's how he opens uh this is thou therefore in 2nd timothy chapter 2 and verse 3 thou therefore um, and I, I know um, you've slept since the last time we looked at this, but we see the word therefore. And what are we supposed to do when we see therefore? That's right. Remember to go back and find out what it's there for. So now, now we're clear on the need to identify as a faithful steward in verse 2. But if you notice, this is exactly the same words that Paul started in 2 Timothy 2, one. Thou therefore... Right, thou therefore, chapter two and verse one. Then he's back to it again in verse three. Thou therefore. So now we got to back up even further, right? So, um, so, so let, let's go down the memory lane and remember what Paul is calling Timothy to know about chapter one. Uh, Timothy, uh, Timothy, uh, God has given you this—not given you. I'm sorry, the spirit of fear. But of power and love and of a sound mind. Second Timothy 1, seven. That's what he's supposed to know. Thou, therefore, because you're not full of fear, you need to go forward, my son. Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. I've already exhausted that. So the command is not to be, therefore, ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner. But be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. Second Timothy 1, eight. Very, very much like what we saw in Peter, right? Uh, okay. We need to step it up, is what he's saying. Hey Timothy, I need you to, I need you to take it on the chin for the gospel. Don't be ashamed of me. Don't be ashamed of, of, uh, of my prison chains. Uh, but embrace this battle and hop on in here without any fear. Uh, now uh, we remember why we need to be strong in the grace that's in Christ Jesus in verse one because well we're facing some difficulty. Paul's letting Timothy know that he needs to identify himself not only as a son. Of course, which he's very uh, ready to do, and, and under and over—not over—but emphasizes very heavily that this is my son. You are my son in the Lord, Timothy. Um, not only is he faithful uh, in that regard, but he also says, "You're not just a son, but you're a steward. But not just a steward; you're also <clears throat> son. You are a disciplined soldier, and that's why you have to endure hardness. Therefore, right? You've got to do this. You have got to be a disciplined soldier." Have you ever considered how your identity impacts your discipline? Uh, And again, I'd like to tell you, I'm just so smart. I line these messages up. But I really, this is the Holy Ghost lining This is like, I'm like, this is so much what we talked about today. And it wasn't because I was reading ahead. Uh, So when a young man enters the military, they change his identity. That's ultimately what they do. They shave off his head. They, well, they used to anyway. Give him a number. Give him a sex change. Oh no, no, that's what they—they they don't do that. Uh, they give him a number, play, place his unit, and place him in a unit with other uh, others, and treat him as a soldier in a functional country with an army. That's what they do. Uh, not give him a sex change, but they do those other things I mentioned. So why do they do this? Uh, because there there are real battles. And uh, as funny as what I just said was. It is true. What, what that will affect is military readiness if you get off course. The real job of the military is to, to give a young man an identity, and ladies obviously as well, but I'm dealing with men in the context. So, uh, so the idea is, is to get them their identity to be that of a soldier. And uh, and they do a pretty good job at it, uh, at at least convincing them that they are a soldier. I just talked to a, a man a couple weeks ago from Vietnam, and uh, he was telling me how ready he was uh, to go and kill people in Vietnam. And he was... Uh, He wasn't until he got there. And then once he got there, he says, there's nothing that can prepare you for that. But at least they had me convinced. I was ready to do this. And, of course, what ends up happening is the moral injury and the different things that happen end up hurting people uh, because we're not designed uh, for all that. It's very difficult. And so, um, but at any rate, Uh, Why do we do all this preparation? Because there actually are real battles, and it is ugly. And we need people that can stand in there and take care of business. And if they don't learn to identify with the hardships of being a soldier, they're not going to be of any use to the man next to them in the unit that they're in, and particularly in that particular branch of service or to our nation that they pledge to protect and defend. So when called upon, uh, they need to be and they have to be ready soldiers. And they just have to be, or we're in trouble. And so, it is not enough to dress up like a soldier. Uh, It's imperative that men who uh, uh, complete boot camp actually are soldiers. Right, so dressing up for me just to put on Back when we were young, I uh, we were discipling Doug Howie. One year for uh, I, uh, for uh, Halloween, I put on his uniform. I went out. And I was what I was a pretend soldier, and I was in my army. And it said Howie instead of Hedges so "I'm running around with his his." Uh, only time in my life I wore the uniform, and uh, it wasn't the uniform; it was a fatigue thing. You know, the whole camouflage thing, but it was real. I felt like, man, I'm what am I doing? I'm playing soldier. I wasn't a real soldier. I was just dressing up like a soldier. We don't need that. We need real soldiers, and that's what God is is uh, doing through Paul and Timothy's life. It's imperative that men who complete boot camp are actually soldiers, and that's, they must be willing to stay in rank, uh, obey orders, and do their duty, and put the goal of others ahead of themselves. And it's no wonder that Paul speaks to Timothy in these terms. It's also no accident while well, I'm on the subject that Jesus Christ uh, seemed to pick out soldiers, right? Centurions and different ones seem to be receptive and comprehensive to what he's doing because they understood authority. And they were under authority and they understood he was in authority. And so anyway, Bob, go ahead. Yes, sir.
1: I don't know if they still do this, but one of the things that we absolutely had to learn in basic training was our three general... I will guard everything within the limits of my post and quit my post only when properly relieved. I will obey my special orders and perform all my duties in a military manner. I will report violations of my special orders, emergencies, and anything not covered in my instructions to the commander of the relief. And we had to nail that verbatim.
0: Verbatim. Yeah, we many years ago we were prepared to go. We had uh, general orders as well uh, when we went to Romania, and they came in very handy. Um, I don't remember them all right now, but Amy, you remember the general orders we had? Uh, not as good as Bob, but they are important. They came in handy when uh, things went south on a missions trip. Uh, and the reason we had them is because things could predictably go south on the, these missions trips we were taking, and they did. And we had to maintain unit discipline, and and structure and order because it was kind of dicey in the places we were going. We're sending a bunch of greenhorn Americans into a third world country, in essence, in Europe that wasn't used to, that they weren't used to. So uh, they had to transform our mindset. Um, amen, though, Bob. That's uh, yeah. The general orders, uh, those are you still remember those to this day? So. Ours were having to be compatible, adaptable. I can't remember all of them, but they were good. So have you ever considered how your identity impacts that discipline, right? And so um, Mitch Newland gave me a book called Jesus Was an Airborne Ranger. And it has got by a fellow named uh, John McDowell, who is actually an Airborne Ranger. uh, And and, uh, Mitch actually knows him. But one of the things that he challenged the readers to do is consider the image of Jesus that they worship. And so he makes a case that Jesus the Jesus of Scripture isn't just being uh, presented at church on most Sundays isn't the Jesus that's being presented at church most Sundays, and he presents the idea that there is a wimpy Jesus that's being promoted over the true Jesus. And this is what he says. He says, over the years, as I've listened to to Rangers share their experiences with Christianity, I've noticed a problem. It shows up again and again. Mind you, these warriors are among the toughest of the tough. They, uh, The type of men who walk into the Army Career Center, slam their fists on the desk, glare at the recruiter, and growl, Give me the hardest thing you got. But here's the tension: It's hard for tough guys to follow Jesus. The problem isn't Jesus; the problem is the Jesus who is presented to them. Ask yourself: How do you? How do? How do most churches portray Jesus? He is the tender shepherd, meek and mild. He's the long-haired boyfriend, uh, the one you're supposed to sing love songs to. Boy, isn't that the truth? He's the he's the bearded therapist who wishes we'd all become nice guys, and we all know where nice guys finish. And so, uh, how could our nation's fighting men possibly relate to such a pale face? slack jawed pretty boy this is not me saying it I'm just saying so um, he he goes on to say perhaps you felt the same way it's not just soldiers who are put off by the image of a wimpy Jesus lots of men and even women have the same reaction we've been handed a skewed sanitized and weakened understanding of Jesus not only is this bad theology but it also gives us a bad role model real men can't relate to this feminized Christ amen to that and they shouldn't have to The Sunday School Jesus gives us no understanding of why we're here on Earth, what we're up against, and what we're supposed to do. We need something more. And uh, you know, a good a good person that's processed that who is also a ranger or a Green Beret uh, is uh, um, Stu Weber. And uh, so, if you're ever looking for some more resources on, on on another fella who's really assimilated a lot of that, Who who's also balanced. I want to just add that in. It's whoever's balanced. Because Je- Jesus is, his gentleness has made us great. So you don't want to get so much testosterone that you forget that. Uh, meekness is not weakness. It's actually power under control. So there is, uh, just because you're masculine doesn't mean uh, you know, you're know you not gentle. So there's a balance to all that. Just, so, just throw that out there. This is just a quote from an author. But I get what he's saying. His point is well taken. The, the Jesus that's presented is not necessarily uh the Jesus that we see in the Bible. And a lot of, and he is right. Jesus Christ has been a feminized it's feminized in worship music. You don't hear a lot of onward Christian soldiers marching as to war with the cross of Jesus going on before. I mean, you go back just rewind the tape a hundred years and those songs they rock your world, man. They are they are in cadence, they are masculine, they are strong in uh in all the things that we're talking about. So uh, and just, just FYI but Tender Warrior just to balance this out uh, Stu Weber wrote a book called Tender Warrior and he was he is was a true warrior uh, and so he's also got a lot to say about that subject so during the Philadelphian church age the church identified with the militant aspects of Christ uh, songs like as I just mentioned Onward Christian Soldier were written and how many of you heard that song before in here I think everybody probably so we all have heard Onward Christian Soldiers" marching as to war with the cross of Jesus going on before let's just soak in these words and i'll probably have to stop here in a minute christ the royal master leads against the foe forward into battle see the banners go of course, the refrain, onward, Christian soldiers marching as the war with the cross of Jesus going on before. I mean, if we started singing that on YouTube, we'd get yanked. Um, you know, we'd be right up there with uh, MAGA. And so, at the sign of Trump, listen to this, at the sign of triumph, Satan's host doth flee. On then, Christian soldiers, on to victory. Hell's foundations quiver at the shout of praise. Brothers, lift your voices. Uh, loud your anthems raise. And, you know, you've been in the congregation when all the men and the women yell, Roo! you know, and that's awesome. Uh, Like a mighty army moves the church of God. Brothers, we are treading where the saints have trod. We are not divided, all one body. We in hope and doctrine one in charity. Good words. Crowns and thorns may perish, kingdoms rise and wane, but the church of Jesus constant will remain. Gates of hell can never against the church prevail. We have Christ's own promise, and that cannot fail. Onward, Christian soldier or onward then ye people join our happy throng blend with yours the voices in the triumph song glory, lot, and honor under Christ the King uh, this through countless ages men and angels sing man this just I love that stuff. that is rich Ron we need to sing that brother you need to bring that roll that one out yeah, yeah. you need to work that one in and so uh, this is another one we sing this all the time I haven't heard this in years this is another one you can work in Ron uh, sound the battle cry how many remember that song? You know, sound the battle cry, see the foe is nigh, raise the standard high. What do we do, right, at the camp meeting? Raise that standard high, right? I love that song. Raise the standard high for the Lord. Gird your armor on, stand firm, everyone. Rest your cause upon His holy word. Of course, the refrain goes on. Rouse then, soldiers, rally round the banner, ready, steady, pass the word along. Onward, forward, shout aloud, hosanna. Christ is captain of the mighty throng. Love that refrain. Strong to meet the foe, marching on we go. Whilst our cause, we know, must prevail. Shield and banner, bright gleaming in the light, battling for the right, we never can fail. O thou God of all, hear us when we call. Help us one and all, thy grace. When the battle's done and the victory's won, we may wear the crown before thy face. I'm just saying, those are some rich, and those are masculine songs. Uh, I don't think we'll hear one of those on the radio or anything close to it anytime soon. Several years ago, we had a song leader. And he, I don't remember, we were having a men's meeting or something, and he rolls out this song. I think it was Todd Agnew or something. But He's like, hey, this is a man song, and he, just, and he plays it. And it was a good song. There's nothing wrong with it. But I was just like listening to that song going... No, that's not a man's song. <laughs> it's just not a man's song. Those are man's songs, and so it's not his fault. He didn't know any better. But uh, I was just like, no, that's not really, uh, that's not really a man's song. But whatever. Hold so, hold the fort. Hold the fort. Yeah. Hold the fort for I'm coming. Jesus signals still. The uh, 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 heaven by Thy grace we will. Yeah, Amen. Oh yeah, I'm getting nostalgic. The emphasis
1: has been taken away. From- who Jesus is, and the fact that we are in a war—I mean, we really
0: are. The, that's the issue: the fact that we're in a war, and and also that Christians don't really realize their impact in the war, um, we, especially right now. The time—I'm f- going to get on to preaching here, but today, um, especially, more than probably any time, and definitely at any time in my lifetime, and I'm only fifty-three. Um, uh, us just doing what we're supposed to do, even if you don't recognize the war that you're in, us just doing what we're supposed to do would have monumental impacts on a lot of what's going on around us and what we wring our hands about. And, uh, and we, we do not recognize the threat that we are. But I can tell you, Xi Jinping or whatever his name is over in China does, and a lot of other people understand that the only thing standing between their complete victory uh, is us. It is what we believe in the truth because we're about the only people that are not going to budge, and I don't mean we being Heartland. I mean there's lots of there's lots of people, not just in America but across the world, people who love God and love Jesus. They are simply just not going to capitulate to the Antichrist, uh, and so uh, it's just it's just innate, and that's why it's the opiate of the people, and it, and it's such a, a scourge upon totalitarian regimes. Period. Whether it's King George or, or whoever, you know, Lenin, Marx, whatever you want, whichever way you want to go, Pol Pot. Um, you know, it's just it's just like there's this, these crazy Christian people who believe in a higher power <laughs> and you just can't expunge them of it. And, uh, and they'll die, you know, like lambs led to the slaughter, Romans chapter 8. And by God's grace, we will, right? Because you can't beat us so you better join us and if you don't join us we're coming back so anyway there are those uh, there are those with great songs that reflected the mindset of the saints ministries like the Salvation Army were formed I mean just in the name Salvation Army that was the name uh, that William Booth used um, understanding that the church needed to mobilize and reach the world uh, was awakening that men moved to endure the hardness men like William Carey, Ed Nairm Jetson David Livingston, George Mueller Amy Carmichael, just those lady in there and many others mobilized a Accomplish God's mission and God's power for God's glory and God's grace so the saints from that era understood that it was to that what it was to endure hardness because they understood they were in they were in a spiritual war a real spiritual war and hardness was accompanied with that that's what Paul was teaching Timothy this is a spiritual war but be prepared to endure hardness son because it can get difficult, and so the New Testament identifies the church and the saints in military terms. Paul identified individual Christians as fellow um, fellow soldiers. Philippians two twenty five in your notes. Yet I suppose it is necessary to send to you, Paphroditus, my brother. There's a there's a, a very warm, uh, benevolent situation and companion in labor. That's very functional, uh, and. Fellow soldier, right? So all of those identity, identities apply to, apply to Epaphroditus. Um, uh, but your messenger, right? Who is he to you? He's your messenger. And he that ministered to my wants. Philemon, chapter uh, 1, of course, there's only one chapter, in verse 2. And to our beloved, uh, uh, aphi, aphi, uh, how do we say that? Aphia?
1: Aphia,
0: Aphia and our, Archippus, our fellow, here it is, fellow soldier, and the church in thy house. Right, so these folks are oh, they're beloved, right? So the, there's nothing wrong with that tender speech, um, the loving nature, and all of that. That's all there. But also, he said, and their fellow soldiers. You know, these people are they're down with Jesus, and they're serious, and they're uh, in discipline, they're in rank. Paul mentions to the Corinthians that a man of God supplies himself as a good soldier. In First Corinthians nine seven, um, who goeth to warfare any time at his own charges, right? Do you just you know open up your bank and go to war? Who planteth the vineyard and eateth not the fruit thereof? Or who, or who feedeth the flock and eateth not the milk of the flock? Muzzle not the ox that treadeth out the corn. You had to find resources, resourcing a battle. It didn't count. You know we needed the French, even though we didn't like them. You know we needed them. And uh, in the Revolutionary War, uh, you, you got to have money. You got to have bankers. You, gotta, you know, bankers always fund both sides of a war. Why? Because they know that the people need money. They need resources. And so, uh, and uh, and so, <coughs> Paul teaches the man of God readies himself with armor like a military soldier in Ephesians six, which we have already referenced in verses eleven through eighteen. His entire body is covered. The loins are girded about with truth. The breastplate of righteousness. The feet shot with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Shield of the Spirit. The helmet of salvation. The sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And don't forget, don't forget, tonight before we close this up, pray always, for you need great communications with headquarters. 1 Thessalonians 5 eight. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for an helmet, the hope of salvation. So I'm going to stop right there. Uh, because that's a good spot to stop, and we're out of time, uh, and I'm over time again. So um, that's where we're going to stop. We'll pick it up next week uh, there, and we'll get into... I haven't really even gotten into my outline, have I? So we'll get there. Did I give you any blanks to fill out? Two? Okay. Well, that's better than none. Count it. We'll count ourselves lucky. All right. So, <laughs> we'll uh, we'll go from there. Let's uh, let's uh, transition. I'll uh, turn off the mic. And uh, I think you guys get the point here about fighting to the finish and moving from fear to fruitfulness. And uh, and part of that is this aspect. And it's just one aspect of those others uh, in regard to being a faithful soldier.
1: All right.